0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: We can get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper. And now, adult beverages with Drizzly. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits. Then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly's giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code EASY5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot Ich
0: warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag Und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt Als wär's ein Rhythmus Hello
1: and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host Bryce Dunn. And as always, let's get started with the match day results. So, starting on Friday night, Union Berlin unfortunately to get a home victory as they lost two one to Eintracht Frankfurt. Going into Saturday, the scoreline was close, but only because Bayern squandered so many chances. They beat Paderborn away from home three two. Osburg Field in their sixteenth attempt to pick up a win against Bayer Leverkusen as they lost three 0 Mainz nil Wolfsburg one. Hoffenheim nil, Borussia Mönchengladbach 3. Yep, the first time Borussia Mönchengladbach in 38 years. About three victories in a row at this stage of the season. One of the biggest surprises of the weekend was RB Leipzig 1, Schalke 3. Things are looking good for David Wagner's side at the moment, eh? Then we go into the final game of Saturday. This also a surprise. Borussia Dortmund 2. Werder Bremen, too. Another tough day for the Dortmund side. Into Sunday, Fortuna Dusseldorf won Freiburg, to Freiburg's best start. Yes, best start in the Bundesliga. With their 200th win in Bundesliga history, they managed to beat Fortuna 13 points at this stage of the season. The final game of the weekend was Cologne nil Hertha Berlin 4. Rather bad weekend uh, for Cologne. That's five straight defeats in all competition. Not so good. And yes, as you may have picked up, if you've been concentrating enough, that is at this early stage of the podcast, not one A home victory. Yeah, that was also a first in the Bundesliga. But, yes, uh, this is not a first. Um, The two guys are joining me tonight. So, first of all, we've got uh, Chris Williams. Chris, how are you? And congratulations on the new position, eh? If you'd like to uh, announce that.
2: Uh, Yes, Uh, thanks very much, Bryce. Um, I have joined the ranks of um, Forbes Sports, so Sports Money, um, who Manu Currently writes for, um, as well as a couple of their friends um, and colleagues. So, so yeah, I've joined that along with all the other stuff that I do um, still on the Football Grad Network and with the International Champions Cup. So, yeah, it's just an extra, um, an an extra output that an extra outlet now. Sorry, that I write for.
1: Yeah, you'll be able to pick up even more if you need us, uh, Chris Williams, over there. But uh, joining Chris and I is a football grant uh, network uh, and, I suppose, uh, specialist in many other areas, uh, Manu Vett. Manu, how are you today? I, you're back in Germany.
3: Yeah, I am. It's been a whirlwind um, getting here, too, um, flying flying from, from Vancouver, uh, from Victoria to Seattle and Seattle to... Frankfurt, then have my plane broken in Dusseldorf, jumping on a train last minute to Dortmund, and then getting ushered away to speak with a bunch of executives, league directors, Borussia Dortmund CEOs about um, a landmark television deal that we're going to chat about in a minute. But before we chat about that, hey Chris, welcome to Forbes. Um, I've, of course, known for a while that this is going to happen, and I'm super excited that it's it's final. Um, I mean, we work together on the Football Ground Network. We work together on ICC, and we work together on Forbes. It's, it's just so great.
2: Uh, yeah, it almost looks like I'm following you around, which 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 wouldn't be far from the truth. Um, yeah, it's going to be great. I've um, I've been given the swim lane, um, as as they're called, of um, football in the UK and Germany. So, so yeah, I will try and equally split my time somehow between Scotland, Wales, uh, Northern Ireland, Bryce, if the stories are there um obviously england and of course uh, germany so so yeah there's a lot for me to focus on but i will be dipping my toe into german football of course Uh, that's
3: super exciting especially for this podcast right and i we've already spoken off the record about some fun projects and things that we've touched on with some people at the league that we're gonna probably share on this podcast on top of writing stories for forbes so i think this is this is just great yeah,
2: I can't wait for that. Um, obviously more about that as and when it becomes um official. But but yeah, hopefully round about Christmas time we should have something um pretty special.
1: Yeah, very exciting times, not just for Chris but the podcast uh, as well. I'm looking forward to that, and also looking forward to Chris trying to dig out some uh, Northern Irish football news to to send you. Uh, I, that I will make that my mission to for to be worthy. Of uh, being reported on forms, eh? uh, but anyway, let's talk about um, something that uh, Manu already mentioned there, and that is uh, this massive uh, news about uh, the Bundesliga uh, US TV rights. Um, Manu, would you like to explain um, just to the listeners uh, what this will possibly mean for the Bundesliga and uh, what all it involves? I mean. Surely, new TV deals are, are only a good thing. You'd imagine that's going to be more investment and more coverage
3: um, to the league. Yeah, I mean, this is this is this is a massive deal, Bryce. Um, you know, I heard that the Bundesliga is, um, although the league themselves and ESPN have been very coy about this, um, the exact figure, figures mentioning exact figures to me, but I heard that it is in the region of thirty million euros more. Um, a season. Um, I I was in a very very fortunate position that I broke this deal today. Um, yes, it was reported. The possibility of this deal happening was reported, I believe, in the New York Post about a month ago. Um, but you know, I was actually given the access and to to break this story, um, speaking to Scott Guglielmino from from ESPN. Um, the Vice President of Programming and Acquisition and the CEO of Bundesliga International Robert Klein and then of course Bundesliga Vice President of America's Anna Reese and that that articles on on Forbes, um and I mean this this is this is such a big deal because I I think what we're going to see here um with this deal is of course for some people it's a continuation because a lot of the games will be still on a streaming platform but um as ESPN unlike Fox I think is is a is a proper soccer channel right they have ESPN FC of course um they have a history of content that that they have on the, the homepage and I think that's something that American viewers can be very excited about I mean personally um I think that Fox also did a really good job with 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 representing this product but I think there's a lot of things that American viewers can be very excited about um one thing that i was i'm a little bit concerned about still is the fact that they're only going to have four games every season on the main channel in the united states so this is on uh free transmitted um uh, television um so take example nbc for example right or univision or fs uh, fs1 and fs2 um, those are the kind of channels that are free to view and um so the amount of free television is not going to get up, but I think the league was willing to take the risk on that because the ESPN Plus is an app and the, the new bundle that's coming out with Disney Plus, and Hulu is giving them a lot of options to to create content and to tell stories. And I think that's really the the centerpiece of this deal: the fact that the Bundesliga can tell stories going forward. Um, you know, those who have followed what I've what I've written uh, in the interview with Christian Seifert that came out in in August, right, also on on Forbes. Um, is the fact that the Bundesliga tries to define itself as a league that creates stories um, rather than a league that is the league of the superstars like the, the English Premier League is or La Liga. They want to highlight the, the story, for example, that Union Berlin has built their own stadium or the Yellow Wall in Dortmund or, you know, um, the fact that Paderborn went down into the, almost into the fourth division and came back up. Those are the kind of things that they want to really build the product on. And I think with ESPN and the the, the fact that ESPN is a good storyteller is something that really enticed them, Bryce. And uh, I, I think it's it's an interesting deal. It's a well-structured deal. I think there is a lot of potential there. And I think when you consider the fact that how many U.S. national team players are playing in the Bundesliga right now and the fact that it could the Bundesliga could be the home of the U.S. national team um, going to the... 2026 world cup and this new deal is going to run up all the way to the 2026 world cup that will take place in north america and mexico united states and canada right i think this is this is a massive deal for everyone involved and it's going to be really interesting to see how it works out
1: yeah absolutely very exciting and yeah look forward to you know more coverage um i, I mean you're with as you said you know a a proper footballing channel as well. And, you know, more coverage is only a good thing for the league. And, you know, as we keep reporting on the podcast uh, every week, you know, there's so many stories to tell all the time, you know. So it's only a, only a good thing, really.
3: I, I really want to stress, though, that I think that Fox did a really good job with the product, too. I mean, Chris, you and I we have spoken often about it, the fact of the availability. Yes, people complain it's on an app, Um you know, but that's just the future of, of how the sport and how sports broadcasting is going. A lot of it is disappearing from main television. And I, I think that Fox actually did a really good job. I mean, uh, Chris, we had Ian Joy on last week who, who hosts the, the, the Fox show. Uh, so I don't want to say that Fox didn't do a good job. I, I just think it's really intriguing what the two parties have planned going forward. Um, so I don't... This This is... I just want to point this out. I, I am very neutral on whoever's showing the leak. Um, I just think it's really intriguing what ESPN have planned. And I, I highlighted a lot of those things on the on the article that I wrote.
2: Yeah, it's a strange one. I think Fox sometimes come in for, for a lot of criticism. Um, I don't think it's any secret that um, my Bundesliga coverage comes via um, the Fox app, um, the Fox Match Pass um, via friends in the states um and a VPN in England I I think it's wonderful that it's the world feed so um I'm not fortunate enough to get Ian um and Keith as well who we've had on this show I'm not fortunate enough to get their commentary but I do get the commentary from our other friends Derek Ray um Kevin Hatchard um Phil Bonney all the the world feed guys are on it and I, I think it's it's a fantastic platform and occasionally when it goes wrong um to be fair to fox it's actually been sportcast problems with with feeds at the ground and i think unfortunately the host broadcaster in the states gets a lot of flack for that um but yeah I, i've seen stuff on twitter about people complaining that there's no bundesliga 2 um i've watched bundesliga 2 streamed on it for many a time and once again if there is a problem with that that's again that that's a that's an in situ issue back in germany um I think Fox have been wonderful, but, and I did pick this up in your article and you've mentioned it, anu, uh, Manu, it's the associated content where I think it's been let down. Um, if you look at some of the other leagues around the world, La Liga, Premier League especially, those that have the rights also follow up with some sort of written content. If you look at NBC in the US, they've got some really good stuff coming out um, written as well to back up their video rights so I think in this new digital age you can't just have video like you can't just have writing you need to embody them all into one um, specific package and that's obviously what the league are looking for
3: yeah and that's something that uh, Seifert was very very precise about when I spoke to him in in August in early August right that he said like look this is something that was really lacking and I think it's the the written content but also the fact that ESPN, because they are a Disney Corporation, right? They have that creative element to them that <laughs> I jokingly ask whether they they're going to do some crossover stuff with Marvels, Mar- with the Marvel super action hero movies, right? And maybe Disney movies. And um, Robert Klein and Scott both said to me, "Look, we're not going to rule that out. That's a great idea." Um, and I think ESPN ha- has that ability to do that, right? and um then, of course, the the fact that they have the thirty thirty documentaries, those sport documentaries that are, those who watch basketball have seen some of them they're just fantastic stuff, and I think the league said, "Okay, look, we're going to get some really creative content here con- content that has been lacking in the past with Fox written and video, and I think that is something really enticing for them
1: Oh, I'm telling you right now if there was a thirty four thirty Documentary on any of the Bundesliga—that would be some fantastic watching. I'd sign up for that.
3: Bryce, uh, I, and this is this is no secret um, because I have this on record. It, that's going to happen.
1: Oh, well, that is definitely good news. So, guys, get prepared for um, some good coverage uh, coming your way. But let's get um, focused on recent times and talk about uh, this match day. And uh, Chris, we've seen at the weekend, um, well, RB Leipzig was a a side that we were saying, yeah, they can really push on, they can... uh, Make a, a a title challenge, and, and things were looking also rosy for them. But this is possibly the uh, first setback for Julian Nagelsmann as they lost to David Wagner's uh, Schalke 3 1. A, a result I wouldn't have imagined many people to have predicted, especially as they were at home. But they did get a little bit of uh, assistance with a controversial uh, VAR assisted penalty.
2: Yeah, there's, there's been VARs taking a lot of hit um, this particular weekend. For what it's worth, um, I think it's it's shown it's it's worth a gain. Um, as for Leipzig, I don't think anybody in this league is going to go and win every single match. There's going to be um, defeats, there's going to be draws. Um, but I would like to put this on record, Bryce Manu, that um, Schalke are excellent. And I think it all turned around at Paderborn. And I jokingly mentioned this in the chat, that um, it will be Schalke's JFK moment. Where were you when... They came back from Paderborn um, and, and won convincingly. And I was there and th- they've gone on and I'm really pleased for David Wagner because um, I was lucky enough to chat to him uh, the other season uh, when he was at Anfield watching his friend Jürgen Klopp, um, I think Liverpool playing, is either Manchester City or Rome, I can't remember the tie off the top of my head, but I had a good chat with him. Um, and there was always evident that he was going to go back to Germany, although he was very loyal at the time, said that he was going to stay at Huddersfield and see what the season brought, which he did probably stayed a little bit longer than he should have done. Um, But now he's back at a a really big club, and he can take Schalke places um, that I think Tedesco and after him couldn't. Um, So it's going to be a really intriguing one. But as for Leipzig, look, they're still a really quality side. Um, Julian Anglesman's side do occasionally leak goals. This was one of them occasions, but um, I think they'll bounce back in the Champions League this coming week and then also think they'll get back to winning habits in the next couple of match days. So if you are a Leipzig fan, I don't quite think it's time to panic yet. Still one of the top three sides in the country and still should be going for the title, not just come October uh, or the end of October, but come the winter pause and then into the spring.
1: Yeah, Manu, does this have you uh, believing in Schalke uh, now? I mean, um, some of our listeners have been asking you whether Schalke can possibly push you know, for a, a top four finish, you know, and well, I'll hold my hands up. I was guilty of saying, "No, I think it's a step too far for them this season." But all of a sudden, a f- few weeks later, and, and you, know, as Chris said after that Paderborn result, things are looking very different for them.
3: Yeah, I, I think Chris put it quite well, saying that the JFK moment. I, I like that, Chris. This is a good one. Um, it, it, it's it's such an interesting one for me because. We always wondered what would it take for Schalke to be kissed awake again, right? Because make no mistake, this is a big club. Schalke um, are the third largest club by membership in Germany. They are the third largest club by in annual revenue, right? They are a top 20 club by air revenue in Europe. This is this is a big club. And yet at the same time, uh, at the beginning of the season, Kicker warned that... This could be also. they could be the next hamburger as well, right? Um, size doesn't protect you from going down in, in this league. Bundesliga is is a very different beast to to the other European top leagues that although Bayern have won it so many times. Um, the the level between the, the 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 Bundesliga almost reaches into the second division, right? In fact, that there is there is twenty five teams that could always play in the Bundesliga and that are on a very equal footing. And that goes down to the, the the second division. You just look who's there right now. And Kicker was warning, you know, Schalke could become that next club. So I always wonder who could be that person that kisses them awake. And I think it's really interesting that it's David Wagner because there's a lot of Jurgen Klopp in David Wagner. And of course, David Wagner has worked at Dortmund. And being in Dortmund on Saturday and um, speaking to people at Dortmund, they all were nervously glancing at their cell phones and... I, I think um they will not remember necessarily the Paderborn result, but they will definitely remember this because Schalke all of a sudden had in the standings. We didn't really see that coming. We didn't see this result coming at all either. And I think um I think we're seeing a lot of things and a lot of potential in the side all of a sudden, you know. Players that that last year didn't perform, um Christian Heidel, the sporting director was was said to have made a lot of wrong signings all of a sudden those signings are panning out and i think it's the coach um i think so much and we're going to talk about this later on this podcast bryce that uh, so much in the ruhr is about emotions the fact that schalke uh, and schalke and dortmund fans be brave now when i say that schalke are very similar to dortmund it's a very 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 emotional club and you need an emotional coach to kiss that emotion awake and to, to, to steer it right and Tedesco was a bit of a technocrat, he played technocratic football, it didn't work. And um I think Wagner is the complete opposite. And I think that makes a huge difference. And it has kissed aw- kissed awake that huge potential that is in the club. And apparently in the side, you know, a side that was put together by someone who was blind or considered blind just a year ago. So yeah, I I think we may all um, eat the broomstick at the end of the year, Rice, because I think Schalke is going to surprise us.
1: Yeah, it looks that way, doesn't it? I mean, it's very close at the moment in the Bundesliga. Manu, you and I talked about that just before coming on air. You know, it's uh, there's three points between first and, and well, Dortmund sitting in uh, eighth. Um, but
2: Chris uh, it... Bryce, this is Bryce, This is a this is a reason why I'm not a big fan of looking at the table until match day ten because. Um, one one win can take you from 11th to 4th um, in one weekend. Um, so whilst the Schalke are doing very well, I think we should judge them probably around about the end of October, start of November, maybe even a little bit later than that. Um, and if they're still 4th then, I think that's great. But, I mean, uh, a defeat on the weekend followed by a draw the weekend after would probably knock them back down into 10th or 11th, which wouldn't be a disaster, but it just wouldn't be a true reflection, I think, of of the table at this this current minute. Well,
1: this is what I was getting to. Uh, The next two games they have are Cologne and Hoffenheim, and I think they're very winnable games. And Then they go into the Riviera Derby, uh, which will obviously be a completely different test altogether, but it means that they can hang in there with other teams potentially slipping up and falling back, and it keeps them in the mix with nine or ten games gone, which is going to be a hell of a start, especially compared to uh, this time last
3: season. Well, it's the, I think the emotions changed here, Chris. Sorry to interject. I think that's that's a big difference from from what you've seen last year. They were, they were dead in the water, weren't they?
2: Yeah, they were, but... Um... I think any, any team that starts well, I think that's brilliant, but it's, it's your middle of your season, which is a key one. And also the way you end it. I mean, we can all remember how Hertha have started brilliantly and seasons gone by and tailed off towards the end. Um, I mean, even look at Dortmund last season um, had a wonderful first half season and then fell away a little bit towards the, well, towards the crucial business end of the season. Um, but yeah, these are winnable games for Schalke. Um, and, and it's a real old football cliche and I hate rolling these out, but I'm going to have to for this one. Schalke need to take each game as it comes and see where they are after 18 games and then a game where they are after 24 games and then a game where they are when we run into you know, that, that very fast rhythm of games going into May. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting. But I think currently with Schalke in fourth, that is where they should be. Whether they're there at the end of the season is a different matter. But as Manu's already said, they're a massive club with a massive support, you know, massive amounts of money. Um, they're the third biggest club in Germany um, by revenue and by support. So they should be there or thereabouts where they are. Um, and I hope for them that they are back in that area because they're a really good side. And I'd like to see them back challenging for the Bundesliga and consistently back in the Champions League. Because I think a good Schalke is good for the Bundesliga and the coefficiency of the league in Europe.
1: Yeah, very much agreed, Chris. But yeah, let's see how the next few match days uh, treat them if they can keep this uh, positive run going. But um, Manu, let, let's talk about RB Leipzig. Um, obviously, we said that this is a, a bit of a, a setback, but you know. To, it's very much early days. Um, they will be playing uh, midweek uh, in the Champions League um, against uh, Olympic Lyon after winning their opening game away to Benfica. How do you see this one going for RB?
3: Yeah, I'm really curious about this one because that's a game I'm going to visit, and um, you know it's going to be some good match content from that, of course. But I'm really curious about that one because it, it's kind of almost like a reverse situation for Leipzig that in the past. They followed up good performances in the league with uh, poor performances in Europe, and I, I think they kind of have to do the reverse here. And Lyon is a good side, you know. I think that they're better than Benfica, and I, I think it's Nagelsmann. He he was very frustrated after this game <laughs> against Schalke, Bryce. So I I think it's going to be interesting to see what he does in terms of his setup, his tactical tweaks. Um, to to get because I think right now um, they they are a title challenger. Um, I think we can all agree on that. And for them, it will be just really important to just get a positive result in the Champions League, just to f- quickly forget what happened against Schalke right at home. And uh, I I think that that's really what they they're trying to aim for: get a positive result, move on, go to the next game, um, just to get the ball rolling again.
1: Yeah, that's it. I'm I imagine that they'd like to put this one behind them so guys let's uh, move on and talk about Bayern Munich they faced uh, Paderborn the weekend and yes if you look at the scoreline 3-2 it was rather close but uh, Bayern did um, have many chances and squandered many of the chances that you would expect them to score Uh, one that comes to mind is uh, Lewandowski at the far post uh, putting practically an open net wide but um Chris, uh, this win puts uh, Bayern back to the top of the league. Yes, it's early days, but they're going to be happy to uh, be sitting up there, especially as they go to take on Tottenham uh, on Tuesday night. Um, A a tough Champions League draw for them. So uh, a a win will put them in in the right stead. Um, How how do you feel they're going to get on uh, against Spurs this week?
2: Well, I think if we look at this game first, um, for me, this is a game that um, Bayern may have drawn last season. I know they were ahead. Um, well, it was it was 2-0 at the time, wasn't it? And they went to 2-1 and then they went to 3-1 and it went to 3-2. So it was close towards the end. But this is the type of game last season where Bayern would have gone and leaked another one late on and it would have been 3-3. We saw it very briefly at the start of the season when they played against Hertha Berlin and dropped some points. Um, I think this is where this, this Bayern side, this season's learning a little bit. They can grind out results and... I do really think that Felipe Coutinho has helped. Um, I, I knew he was a good player because I've seen him with my own eyes many a time and I've cheered many a goal of his Liverpool fan. Um, but to see him come back to his best at Bayern, it, it's really a joyful watch because I think he had a torrid time in Barcelona. I think he went there with a, an unrealistic fee on his shoulders. Great for Liverpool, not particularly good for him. I think he went under a bit of a cloud. Um, he didn't start particularly well. He's the sort of guy that needs to be one of the main men. I don't think he got that. Uh, um, I got that at Barcelona in the pecking order behind some of the players they've got. And for him to go to Bayern and to play in that favoured role he is, which is sitting um, in the middle of a bank of three behind a main striker, um, I, I think it's it's just the thing he needs. I spoke last week and um, when we spoke with Ian Joy about Coutinho. Defenders don't know what to do. They don't know whether to go close because he can slide it into someone and play a wonderful pass, which he did for Gnabry's opener, or he can hit from distance, which he can do as well. And yeah, it's all coming together for Coutinho. And I think it's brilliant for Bayern because, as I say, this time last season, I think this is a game they may have gone on to draw. Um, and yeah, it's close. Is it a good warm-up for Tottenham? Yes, I think it is because Bayern do raise their game when they need to. They weren't particularly good last season going into the Champions League match at Anfield, um, and they played fantastically. A really good um, nil-nil draw. Went a little bit wrong for them in the game after that. But I think if we take each game as a singular entity, um, they were very good at that. And I expect them to be exceptional at Tottenham um, this week coming. Um, in fact, it's tomorrow as we record this. So, so yeah, I, I think it's all pointing for them for, for a good run in Europe this week. Um, and I know they've been a little bit susceptible at the back, um, but Tottenham haven't been the best going forward. Um, and they're a side that if they do score and they do take a lead, they're quite happy to let it slip, as we saw. I think it was three times last week. They got a win over the weekend, but it was by no means convincing. So, yeah, I think everything's set up there for Bayern to go to London and and get a good result in a great stadium.
3: Continuous class, Chris. I mean...
2: Yeah, he is. He's he's wonderful. And I'm so glad that he's gone to a club where... You know, we can enjoy, or I can, or we all can, enjoy his football again because when he's on his game, I think he is one of the best in the world, especially in that position. And you can tell when he's enjoying his football because he starts doing things like that lift pass over to Gnabry. He's able to hit the ball himself from distance. He he becomes a joy to watch. And I don't know, you know, I think we spoke, earlier, or you spoke earlier on a couple of podcasts ago that Coutinho was a bit of a plan B, a bit of a late notice sign-in I think he could end up being um, a signing that Bayern stumbled into, but could be part of their future rebuild.
3: Oh, I, 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 I think I want to take all of that back. I, I'm, I'm pretty certain from what I've seen. I know it's early days, that that Bayern are going to trigger that clause for 120 million euros and sign him. Um, the chemistry that he has with Robert Lewandowski, in particular, just stands out. Um, and you, you see what Lewandowski is currently doing. He He's at the very pinnacle of his game. And yes, he's, he was already before Coutinho arrived. But Lewandowski was so outspoken about wanting a star player. And I think he got one in Coutinho. And he seems very, very happy with that. And you want to keep Lewandowski happy. And I think they're going to sign Coutinho uh, to a permanent deal at the end of the season. Because he brings everything onto the table. He is—he can dissect any side. And I, I think he catapulted Bayern overnight from a team that we will say, okay, they're not going to get to the Champions League final anytime soon to a Champions League contender again. And that's incredible. Um, and it's incredible that Bayern were able to structure a deal where they basically paid 8.5 8. million euros to get this kid for a season. Yes, they're going to pay a lot of money for him next year, but... Could you imagine how much they would have had to pay to Liverpool if they wanted to sign him when he was at his height? Um, yeah. yeah, it
2: would have been well, it would have been what he went for originally. And I think something that Bayern fans might want to bear in mind for the Champions League game is, although this is being played at a new stadium um, or a rebuilt stadium at White Hart Lane, um, Coutinho has enjoyed a lot of joy against Spurs in the past. It's the type of side where they look to play fast football themselves. And it's the type of football that... If um, if high-pressed and the ball's turned over, Coutinho's able to run ragged, um, and he did run Spurs ragged with Suarez in front of him a few times. So I can see that this combination that he's got with Lewandowski in front of him could be a real hot topic on Tuesday night. And, and I could see Spurs... Um, I could, uh, sorry, I could see um, Bayern getting a hat full and Spurs conceding quite a few. Um, it could be a real marker in the sand for Bayern in Europe this season.
3: Yeah, I think that is a transfer that changed everything. And yes, it was a Plan B, but um, I heard through the grapevine that Plan A and Plan B might actually both work out for them. So scary.
1: Yeah, but I I always seem to enjoy about Coutinho when he was at Liverpool was obviously he has the incredible ability to open up defenses, but also if you're really struggling to break down a side, he has that ability to score out of nowhere. You know, from long range or. Or whatever else, you know. So he could be a massive signing for uh, Bayern uh, on loan this season. Uh, Manu, just before we move away from that, what, what exactly might this mean for, uh, like, so Thomas Müller? I mean, we continue push him out of the side. Are the players able to play together, or where do you see the future for uh, for Thomas
3: Müller? Uh, I was uh, worried you would ask me this. Um, I mean, Thomas Müller. He's 30 now, right? And um, a player that I think is still very, very useful for Bayern. And uh, I may have tweeted that he hasn't been good enough. I don't think he has been good enough. And I I think you see that Lewandowski's production kind of tells the story a little bit last year that he had to be essentially two players in one because Thomas Müller, I think, struggles a little bit in the system that, that Kovac wants to play. And continuous ability to play both as a number eight and then as a number 10 makes it much easier for Kovac to, uh, to to switch back and forth between that 433 and that 4-2-3-1. And I think that's hurt Müller's hurt Müller. Um will Bayern sell Thomas Müller? Um I think it's a very difficult player to sell. I you know I, I think that he will be he will go a similar path than Schweinsteiger. I could see him go to somewhere like Major League Soccer for a year or so he'd be great in America. Not now, maybe in a year or two and um, I also think that Thomas Müller will always be a part of this Bayern side because he's such a character, right? Um, such a personality and has defined an era at this club. And I, I think that's something that you can't underestimate. And he's still getting a, a point every second game, and a score point every second game, Bryce. So even, even not so great, Thomas Müller is still pretty good.
0: It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right?
1: what do you predict uh, the score will be or what the outcome of the game will be um, as they face uh, Tottenham this midweek?
3: You don't, you know I don't like to predict stuff. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, well then we'll move on I think. Uh, Chris, let's talk about Borussia Dortmund. Um, Uh-oh. Uh, yeah, I know, I know. I think there's uh, plenty to talk about here and there may not be many positives really, is there? But... Um, Oh, I, I, I said to to uh, Manu just um, before we came on air that um, I don't know how many opportunities they're going to be given, um, you know, with uh, the likes of uh, Bayern maybe dropping a, a few points. RB Leipzig now, you know, dropping a few points and that. And Dortmund just don't seem to be getting over the line a lot of the time, do they? Um, what exactly is going wrong with them? I mean, Werder Bremen aren't, aren't a bad side at all, but... You know, even when they're two one up, uh, well, to, to begin with, they're they're conceding early goals, aren't they? But you know, even when they're two one up, they can't get the job done. I mean, what what is it? Is it tactics? Is it fitness? I mean, mentality? What is it?
2: Oh well, that's Marco Royce just turned off Bryce because you said it was mentality. Um, I don't know if it is mentality, and the um, and the Dortmund captain will tell you it's not, but. It's another game where they've leaked a really early goal, but they've managed to get themselves back on level terms pretty quickly. Um, And then they've turned that negative into a positive. In this match, they went on um, and they went into halftime 2-1 up. And then they've just fallen apart a little bit second half. And I don't know, maybe they're going through the teething issues that we all expected them to go through last season and didn't early on with Favre. They just hit the ground running and they got themselves a really big lead as they went into the winter break. And, you know, towards the end of the season, they hit a little bit of a problem and it just looks like maybe that's not being addressed now. Is it on the tactics, Is it on the training pitch? If you look at some of the rumours that are floating around Germany at the moment with some of the players aren't particularly happy at the way... Um, at the way the side's being picked, at the training that's going on, uh Lucien Favre, whilst he's an exceptional coach and he's a brilliant tactician, he looks a little bit lost. Manu and I chatted over the weekend and Manu said he looked a ghost, which which I think is a really um a really good analysis of what he looked like on the side. If you look back over And it's going to be really hard for every Dortmund boss that comes in because the the man who's put on a pedestal is Jürgen Klopp. If you look at the way Jürgen Klopp is on the sideline, um, Lucien Favre is completely different. Um, Peter Stoga was different. Peter Bosch was different. They didn't last particularly long at Dortmund. Um, Thomas Tuchel was just as animated and seemed to get that Dortmund ethos, although he didn't particularly get along with the players very well. I think for me, a Dortmund coach has to reflect the club and the club is um a very well thought out um being and it's very it's very emotional and it's very heart on the sleeve type of type of area it's a very heartlessly type of club and i don't know if Lucien Favre is becoming a square peg in a round hole now i don't think he should be sacked because i think he's an excellent coach um but i'm starting to worry a little bit that if this is the tendency that happens to leak an early goal, to be able to get themselves back in contention and then to throw it away. I don't know how long it's going to be stood for at a higher level, because let's not forget how much money they spent in the closed season on the plays they brought in. And on paper before the arrival of Coutinho, um, Dortmund looked to be title winners, not challengers. title winners. Um, instead, Leipzig have have come on and and become maybe a title challenger and Bayern have just been Bayern and gone back to the league, maybe not playing the best of football, but they're only going to improve. At the minute, I can't see Dortmund improving without some sort of impetus, which takes me back to mentality um, and that'll now annoy Marco Reus even more. Um, But yeah, they've got all the players and they've got all the input there, um, but it's not happening. And another worry that I've got is that they've got potentially one of the best young players in world football there, Jaden Sancho. And if they have a particularly poor Champions League campaign, and let's just say they don't get through the group stages so they, their Champions League campaign is over by Christmas because they're in a really hard group um, and their title charge isn't going particularly well, I don't know what may keep Jaden Sancho there? And um, because there's a lot of people willing to pay a lot of money to take him away. And if the player's not happy, we could see a situation um, that we saw Christian Pulisic in not too long ago, whereas a, a, a winter deal was agreed. Um, now, whether that's for the summer after or not waits to be seen, but Yeah, it's starting to get a little bit of a a worrying time for Dortmund. But then they could go out next week, Bryce, and win 4-5-0 because they were fantastic and they were brilliant against Bayer Leverkusen. But that just gets undone when they come and throw a result in like this.
1: Manu, uh, what about you? Uh, What's your feelings currently on uh, Borussia Dortmund? Uh, uh, Are you in agreement with Chris? Um, Are are you about to uh, piss off Marco Royce as well?
3: I think it's a mentality problem. Um,
1: that's a yes then
3: yeah I, I'm I'm gonna say it um, I'm I'm sorry but if you up if you come back from a 1-0 down and you make it 2-1 um, you can be certain that Bayern would have won this game 5-6-1 right they would have just bullied Bremen out of the Alliance. let's say the same game same same kind of storyline it would have been Bayern against Bremen don't forget, Bremen are very weakened by by an injury crisis. They didn't play this game with one centre back. They had to put a left back and a midfielder into the centre back positions. Right? They played a nineteen year old American who, admittedly, was very good up front. This is a side that is significantly weakened. Right? And yes, played very well. And I think, I think if Bayern go up two one, just before half time, they come out in the second half. They add a third, a fourth, a fifth they will not give Bremen the light of day. And this is something that we mentioned last last week or two weeks ago, that Bayern just bully their way through this league and Dortmund just don't do it. And that's mentality. The mere-san-mere attitude, the fact that you just go into a game and you know you're going to win it. And even if you face a little bit of adversity, the moment you have overcome it, that's it. You will not let it back into a game. And they don't do it. And how do you... How do you install that I am it it's a very good question I mean we were chatting I was chatting to a few people in Dortmund and Jaden Sancho for example still doesn't speak German right Um, there's a bunch of other players that still don't speak the language either and I think that's a big issue if you come into a club like Bayern continue he's learning German right now six months from now he'll be speaking German Frank Ribéry when he came to Bayern he learned the language and that's that's a completely different value set right from the get-go. It says you are us, you belong to this club, you are our property, and you're going to perform to our standards. And I think that's maybe something that in Dortmund they just don't have. Um, I spoke to one person, and um, they mentioned to me how much of a changed person Hummels was after being at Bayern for for a few years. You know, just his professionalism, his attitude, his the way he presents himself. And I think that is maybe for Dortmund something that they still have to learn. It's that they have to bully their opponents and they have to get that attitude. And that's something that's not just doesn't come just from the head coach. It comes from the entire club. Um, and I think that is something that they, they just maybe have to look at. That someone like Jaden Sancho, like, yes, you're in Germany now. Go learn the language. Because you're in Dortmund, you're part of the Dortmund club, you're part of the Dortmund ethos, and the Dortmund ethos means this. What is the Dortmund ethos, right? It's not just like we're going to make young talent and sell them on. It's like we represent surfing. If you want to win titles, you're not a seller's club. You have to be on a strong foundation. I think that is something maybe that they need to look into. Um, You can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't have that mindset, that's not going to help you.
2: I think if we just look back one match day... um... I was at Werder um, the weekend previous to see Leipzig run away 3-0 um, <laughs> winners. Um, and it it was a game that Leipzig bullied Bremen in from start to finish. Um, the back three didn't give Sargent a sniff, and he's a fantastic player, but he's a young player learning his trade. Um, and the back three of Auburn, um, Canate and Makano didn't give him an inch to play in. Um, and that's something that, that Dortmund didn't really um didn't really stop, they didn't stop a young player um and didn't really put him in his place and, and show him, look, you're gonna come to the Westfallenstad Stadion, you're not gonna be able to show off your skills. And and he was able to do that. Um Leipzig went down um Leipzig went down to ten men and still managed to score another goal against um what Manu's already said is a weakened Verde Bremen side. I think if we take those two matches and look at them um, you can see why RB Leipzig have, have had a better start than Borussia Dortmund. And yeah, it, it's a worry because these home games against teams that they should be beating, um, they're not. And that's when you start to drop your points, and they then have to go away and win games where they may have been able to pick up a draw and still be looking at leading the table or be, being second or being in with a shout of winning a title late on, it makes it really difficult when you're dropping what should be home bankers.
3: Yeah, you know, and I'm glad you're bringing up Leipzig, Chris, because Leipzig, they're a very young club. They seem very critical by a lot of people in Germany. But I, I, I can tell you that first Rangnick and now Nagelsmann and Krüschke continuing that tradition. When you are in Leipzig... You are a Leipzig player. You know what I mean? That's that's the they have they have a real they want to almost copy that Mirson mier attitude and they're doing that. I mean they have that that belief about themselves that they're going to go into a match and win it. And I mean when you look at what they did last year in the second half of the season with a very young side, and I mean this year they still have the youngest side in the Bundesliga, they're already bullying their opponents and they have understood what it takes to be winners and yes they lost against Schalke I think that's it that's that's something that maybe can be put down to um, experience still but you can you can you can bet that three or four years from now they're going to have something very similar going on in Bayern with just the ethos the, the mentality aspect of it and that that is I find something that's that's uh, really interesting but you have to tell you players when they come into a club right you have to tell them this is who we are and by the way, you can't just hang out and play PlayStation at night when you get back home. You have, to, you have to learn the language. You have to be part of the city. You have to be part of this community.
1: Well, let's talk about players uh, a little bit. There's been a few comments on uh, Jaden Sancho uh, from sporting director uh, Michael Zork. Um, Chris, uh, he was suggesting that, you know... Uh, that he's not going to be there in five years' time, that um, he's going to be gone uh, much sooner than that. Um, Firstly, why would he say that? Why would he believe that? Uh, um, And also, when does he possibly suggest that he's going to be going, or does he not?
2: Well, I think um, Mr. Zork says says it because he's not daft. Uh, He knows that Sancho is creating a lot of interest back home in England, and also at the, with the Spanish sides. So there are going to be clubs literally queuing up um, to sign him. Um, Manchester United were very keen on signing him over the closed season, um, but there was no way he was going anywhere. And, and to be honest, I don't think the player himself would have gone to Manchester United because you wouldn't leave the Champions League to play for a club in, in the Europa League. Um, and I can't really see them going much further in their current climate, Um, but Manchester City will be um, there or thereabouts after the um, clause they included to match any deal or first refusal on any deal. You can bet your bottom dollar that Liverpool will be interested. Jadon Sancho fits the profile of a Jurgen Klopp player. Um, Chelsea may even be interested. Um, Then you're going to look abroad to teams like um, Barcelona and Real Madrid. And I'll tell you what, Even someone like Bayern Munich might be interested. Um, And he said that um, he's going to go, and and he is going to go, and I think it's going to be sooner rather than later if Dortmund's problems um, continue. Um, But they want to bring in another German prodigy, Kai um, Havertz, who, if you're Kai Havertz at the moment and you've got Dortmund or Bayern after you, I think probably airing towards going to Munich because that's where the title's been for the past seven years and um, it looks like it could be staying early on this season and with the additions that they've got and if they were to change their manager at some point um, for, a, for a manager who can pull in names from across Europe because however much I like Niko Kovac, I do think he, he is um, he's not a name that teams across Europe or players across Europe will want to play for but if they could get a really Top named manager in, um, they could attract some some high quality players from around Europe and and be as dominant as they've been for the last seven years. So um, for Dortmund, it's going to be hard. I know they've got Julian Brandt and Julian Brandt knows Kai Havertz from old, but is that enough at the moment? No, Dortmund they're going to have to really turn themselves around if they want to attract a hot prospect like um, like him to, to to their ground. And at the moment, I, I can only see him going one way.
3: Yeah, I second that, Chris. I, I think that Dortmund really would like. I, I think they have this vision, um, and they, they're quite open about it. I think too that they're going to cash in on Jaden Sancho, right? And then Cy Kai Kai Havertz, who I actually personally think, and I know a lot of people think that's controversial. I think he's actually an upgrade over Jaden Sancho because he 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 brings in that that physical aspect that um, what we call in German Durchsetzungskraft, um, the ability to push through um, defensive lines. Um, which they, they lack completely in that side at the moment. You know the Michael Ballack kind of midfielder that can also be creative at the same time. They don't have anyone like that. Um, so I think they really—that's that, what they're banking on. But yeah, if you Kai Havertz and you have Real Madrid, Barcelona, all the English sides, plus Bayern lined up for you, and then Dortmund come along and they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna—we just got 180 million for Sancho. We're gonna put that all on you." Um, currently. I don't know. I don't think so.
1: Well, we're going to have to uh, wait and see where he lands at the moment. Uh, we know one thing, and that is that uh, he's been playing very well. But um, yeah, let's uh, let's see where the future lies for uh, Havertz and Sancho. Um, Manu, just before we move on, um, I feel that we need to just slightly touch on Josh Sargent. Um, he played um, very well and even got an assist to the U.S. Uh, 19-year-old. Um, striker for Werner bremen um how big a player do you see him um coming uh, for Werner bremen i mean um uh, for anyone that you know, maybe doesn't know him that well you know, what what kind of player is he
3: yeah i i saw his, i i did a piece over on prosoccerusa.com on um, Josh josh I was very fortunate to 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 grab him and, and speak to him personally um, the DFL organized that, um, you know, I, I got a good chunk um, of time. And Werder Bremen helped me as well. So um, they, I put him aside in the, in the mixed zone. I spoke to him uh, personally. And, um, you know, he, I, I thought he was really good in this game. And I thought that um, he said, too, that, you know, his movement um, has gotten much better. And he, he admitted that he has, still has a lot to learn. Um, I spoke to Florian Kofeld as well, his head coach, uh, post-game. And he said he's a raw talent. He brings everything to the table to be an excellent Bundesliga striker, and I think that says quite a lot when you when you consider he's still 19. But what Kofeld said a little bit is, and I, I agree with him on that, he has to learn when to commit and when not to commit. Sometimes he makes the wrong decisions still, but as a 19-year-old, I think that happens. What I, what I, what struck me though, Bryce, when you speak to him, you don't think he's a 19-year-old standing in front of you. He's he's much more mature than his years. Very well spoken clever kid. I um, really like that and I think that makes a huge difference in, in this profession if you want to be successful. Um do I see, what do I see him play like? I think he there's a lot of Miroslav Klose in him. Um it's a very good comparison in my mind. A bit more of a playing striker rather than a true number 9. Um I think they that you know the the sky is the limit for this kid.
1: Wow, what a compliment. That is to be uh, compared to uh, closer, but uh, guys, let's move on to Sunday uh, and talk a little bit about Freiburg. Uh, Freiburg beat uh, Dusseldorf uh, uh, two th- one. This was a fantastic away victory for them, and uh, as I mentioned at the uh, top of the pod, you know this is Freiburg's best start in the Bundesliga, having uh, thirteen points. Are currently sitting in third yes early days as we've established but um uh, quite the start um chris uh, things couldn't be going better really for freiburg at, at the moment could they um manu and i discussed um before the pods and um, that
2: they're a side that you just want to like <laughs> yeah they are um I don't know if it could be going any better. They're third. and I know I've gone against my own motto of looking at the table there, Bryce, but I think when Freiburg are third after six games, that is something that should be taken into account because they are a side um, that have established themselves as a Bundesliga club, as a top Bundesliga club, and they normally reside anywhere between seventh and twelfth, which which is a good a good spot for them because they're a really small club from a small town, from a beautiful small town. If you've not been to Freiburg, do go because it's wonderful in a black forest region going the in the winter when the snows fall in. Um, and there's a wonderful Christmas market as well in, in a nearby area. Um, and for them to be doing what they're doing is, is just phenomenal really. Um, and it's all down to their coach. And we've talked many years now about what a coach he is um, in Christian strike. And, yeah, he's a likable guy who builds a likable side. Um, And, yeah, to see them doing so well, um, it's great. It's how long will it last, though? And, as I mentioned the other year, when they got into Europe, they fell out pretty early in the qualifying rounds. And I don't think they're a team um, that has got the ability to fight on more than two fronts in the Bundesliga or the Pokal. And, realistically, I don't think they've got... Um, the ability to fight on more than one front, which is keeping themselves in the Bundesliga. But yeah, to see them in that top four spot at the moment, um, it, it's it's a good sight and it's reflective on what a good club they are. Let's not forget what they did to Bayern last season. And it's a really hard place to go, Freiburg, a real beautiful old stadium that people should enjoy before it gets changed at some point. Um, and yeah, but... It's another poor day for Dusseldorf, um, who find themselves dropping down the table. And and Manu, I know you were there. Um, Not a stadium that either of us particularly love from a working um, area. Um, I think if you go and watch, if you're a fan, it's great because the food and the beer there is wonderful. Um, But if you're working, uh, there's, there's there's a big difference between the bottom of the stadium and where your seat is. But yeah, I know you were there. Um, and you spoke to some key figures in Düsseldorf afterwards.
3: Yeah, um, maybe just really to quickly touch on the game. I actually thought, and, and you you mentioned it quite rightly, Chris Freiburg. Um, as a side, they, they they do quite well, but this game could have easily gone the other way. I mean, it was a you know, Gianluca wonder strike that decided it in the end. But yeah, I I think Düsseldorf, you know, there's there's a lot of good pieces there. Uh, I spoke in great length to uh, Zach Stefan the American keeper afterwards, who I've been just um, amazed about his transition to this league and um, spoke to Steel, Lutz, Lutz Vanenspiel, the sporting director today. And he said to me, I think uh, because in America, his, his ball playing has been criticized quite a bit. And he said like, look, Zach's ball-playing wasn't the issue. The problem was that he was playing with defenders that didn't know what they were doing in, in Major League Soccer because everything gets invested in strikers, right? All the, the cap money goes into goes to strikers rather than defenders. Here he has players who actually know what they're doing. His, his opening pass is, is very, very good. His ability to read the box, the plays is is just fantastic. And I, I he saved the penalty as well. And I mean, I think that just shows you that... Dusseldorf have all the right pieces in place. They, I think they made some really good creative transfers in the offseason. But the difference in this league, and this is this is the difference between any other league in Europe, I think that um, top to bottom, everyone can beat anyone. And it's little tiny things that make the difference. And for Fortuna, unfortunately, these little tiny things are going against them right now, which means that they only have, I think, four points out of six games. And for Freiburg, those little things are going for them, which is why they have 13 points out of six games. Really on the field, I thought the two teams were pretty much even. They were very equal. And it was really just that one moment, that one spark of creativity where Waldschmidt cuts in. And he's a wonderful striker. We all know he's one of the best shots in the league. He's going to be a superstar striker going forward. Like five, six years from now, he's going to be a mainstay in the German national team. He's going to be, you know, winning titles with Germany. He's going to play at a much bigger club. We know the talent that he has. And in that one second, he just made the difference. And I think that is just how it is in, in the Bundesliga at that level. Those teams can just beat each other. And right now, Fortuna are a little bit unfortunate. And Freiburg are running you know, a little bit of a hot streak.
1: Yeah, that's it. a very positive times for Freiburg. It's, it's good to see, nice to see what we say. But um, yeah, that more or less uh, does it for this week on the uh, podcast. Um, Manu, you're still in Germany for another while longer. Uh, what have you got uh, coming up uh, for us, uh, and what would you possibly like to draw uh, a listener's attention
3: to? Well, obviously the article on the ESPN deals up on Forbes.com. Um, then I have an article on Sachs sex- stefan on prosoccerusa.com and an article on josh sargent also on prosoccerusa.com and i have an interview article um i I spoke great length to Lutz still he's just a fantastic human being really enjoyed talking to him so there will be something coming out um on forbes very soon probably end of the week and um another piece actually on borussia dortmund and the international um strategy is also on the works um, that will also be on Forbes, probably a little bit later than that. Um, but yeah, lots of things going on at the moment, Bryce.
1: Yeah, busy as always, eh? Um, Chris, uh, what have you got going on then coming up uh, this week? I would imagine you're probably heading down to London. Uh,
2: no, so 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 subject that, Bryce. Um. Tottenham have not answered any of my emails, uh, which is as surprising to me as it probably is to you. However, um, I've got um, a pre-match piece uh, with the International Champions Cup. Obviously, Tottenham and Bayern are the two ICC 2019 sides, so I've taken a look at three key battles um, for them. Um, it is thir- 25 minutes, price until... I can officially start my Forbes work. Um, so there will be something out on Tottenham and Bayern um, very, very soon. It'll be out by the time this podcast is on. Um, and then Wednesday, I am back at the home of the European champions to watch them take on FC Salzburg.
1: Well, I'd imagine after that Tottenham news, uh, the prediction on any uh, such article might be a rather one-sided shame on you, Spurs. But um, guys, but, but before I forget, um, happy International Podcast Day. I don't know what that means, but it's a thing. Well, we should enjoy the
2: last 25 minutes of it. We
1: should. Will we take it off? Will we take the rest of the day off?
3: It's already after midnight. Sorry, guys. Oh, well,
2: they'll be
1: next year, I'm sure. Oh, well. Anyway, um, if you need any more uh, football uh, news um, or you want to fill your boots, I suppose you can also head over to at football Grad live the uh, Twitter account or the website. There's going to be plenty of articles uh, and whatnot on their match reports, previews. Oh. Everything to fill your boots, as I said. I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. You can find me on Twitter at Bryce Dunn11. And until next week, enjoy the midweek uh, football and the next match day. I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about then as well. Auf Wiedersehen. Tschüss.
3: Ich war seit
0: Wochen. Auf diesen Tag und Tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als Gelb sein Lied das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right?